Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. We're getting close. There's 28 chapters in Matthew. It's been a year and a half. (laughs) Matthew chapter 27 will begin in verse 11. And I think the thing that I want to concentrate this morning on is the fact that Jesus is our substitute. In theological terms, we call this substitutionary atonement. In fact, um, uh, to be even more precise, it's called penal substitutionary atonement. Penal as in a penalty, as in a punishment. Uh, Jesus took our punishment and He was our substitute. He took our place. Just as in the sacrificial system uh, of the Old Testament, when they would sacrifice a lamb or a calf, or whatever they were sacrificing, uh, the, the, um, the idea was that the, it was to represent a substitution that was taking place. The, this, this, uh, this sacrifice was to, to atone for the sins of the people. The punishment would go on the sacrifice instead of on the people. And in the Old Testament, this sacrificial system had to go over and over and over and over again because, as David tells us, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But Jesus died once for all to be our substitute to take our punishment that we deserved. And I think that's one of the things that shines out very clearly from the text that we are going to look at today. Getting in verse 11, we're going to look at Jesus' trial before Pilate. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, whom is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered, them, delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. 
Now, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas! Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it speak to us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand and obey. Speak to our hearts. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to the beginning, Jesus stood before the governor. And the first question that Pilate asks him is, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, of course, when the chief priests and the elders bring Jesus to Pilate, Pilate is a Roman, and he's not going to probably care about the blasphemy charge that the, the uh, uh, chief priests and the elders are concerned about. When, he, when Jesus stood trial before the chief priests and the elders, their concern was that he claimed to be the Son of God. And he said that, he, that they would soon see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus' claim was to be deity, that He was, in fact, God Himself in the flesh. Yet, Pilate's question wasn't about that, so we can assume that the chief priests and the, and the uh, elders, when they brought Jesus to Him, let, them, let Pilate know about a charge that would be, maybe be treasonous to Caesar. And he asked, are you the king of the Jews? Well, Caesar had a puppet king that he had placed in that region. And to claim to be a king would be treasonous. So he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And we can sit back and we can think, well, it depends on what you mean by that. <laughs> Jesus, I think in one of the other Gospels, if, it, if I remember correct, I think it's John says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my subjects would be fighting. No, Jesus here, as Matthew records, Jesus says the same thing that he had answered to a later charge by the chief priests and the 
Elders, you've said so. You've said so. Pilate, he says, these, these Jewish leaders, they've, they've uh, accused you of all kinds of things. What do you have to say for yourself? And Jesus remains silent. We can remind, remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at another text when Jesus remained silent before the chief priests and the elders. And this points to the fact that Jesus was a willing Savior. He opened not his mouth. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. Jesus remained silent before his accusers. And we can see this had an impact on Pilate. He was amazed. We turn here as Matthew tells us that at this time of the year, at, at this festival, at this feast, we know that Passover is going on. Pilate had a tradition, a custom. He would let go one of the prisoners at this feast, at this time, at this um, celebration of Passover. And Matthew also tells us that Barabbas was the one that Pilate suggests. Barabbas, it tells us he was a notorious prisoner. Now, notorious has a negative connotation to us. Uh, the Greek word would have been more general, uh, may have been more like famous or outstanding. Uh, the same uh, word is um, used in Romans. Uh, only, it's the only other time it's used in the New Testament. It's uh, talking about one of the uh, one of the followers of Jesus in Rome that was outstanding among all the apostles. So it's not a negative thing, um, this word that's translated here, notorious. He, he's, he's famous. Everybody knows about him. And the word here for prisoner is actually, uh, I mean, it's often translated robber. And yet, being a robber was not a capital crime. But a capital crime, um, this word could also be translated insurrectionist. An insurrectionist. Uh, in fact, uh, the Josephus used this word, uh, where, where we see prisoner, he used this word to uh, refer to the zealots of the time. And the zealots, they were a political party that wanted to overthrow Rome. And so we can maybe surmise that Barabbas was pretty popular with the Jewish people. He wasn't just um, some common thug. But he, he was probably someone who uh, was more in line with what they wanted for a Messiah. He wanted to overthrow the political powers that be, most likely. We can surmise from what they call him here. So Pilate offers to give away, to release Barabbas, and some of the ancient manuscripts even give him a first name, uh, Jesus Barabbas. Maybe a coincidence. Some of the... <clears throat> I'm sorry. Pilate offers Barabbas, 
this insurrectionist, this notorious person, this person who's famous, most likely a, a political prisoner. He offers him up to be um, released in the place or, or Jesus. And he gives the crowd a choice. Pilate says, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? And as he says those words, who is called Christ, it's probably a dig at the, at the Jewish leaders. They didn't want to call him Christ. And we have an explanation here. Verse 18 says, For he knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. They knew, he knew this man is no threat to Rome. He's no threat to me, Pilate thinks. No, he's, he's just a threat to their power, to the Jewish leaders. So he offers to release one of them. Another piece of context that were given here by the gospel writer is that Pilate's wife had a dream the night before. And she warns him, have nothing to do with this righteous man. The emphasis here is on his innocence. Jesus had done nothing to deserve death. Pilate says this in his own words. He's done nothing to deserve death. His innocence. Verse 20. As Pilate has offered this choice between Barabbas and Jesus Christ, as Pilate offers this choice, the chief priests and the elders, they go around the crowd and they're persuading people to say, release Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Well, it seems that they're Persuasion is successful. The people wanted, and the religious leaders, they wanted a political Messiah. Someone who would come in and rat out the Romans. That's what they wanted. They didn't want Jesus, the one whose kingdom is not of this world. And so, again, the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release? And they said, that is the crowd, Barabbas. Now then, Pilate tries to get out of it. He says, what do you want me to do with Jesus? What do you want me to do with the one who is called the Christ? I mean, Barabbas apparently was sentenced to a capital crime, if he's going to release Barabbas, he's then saying, well, do you want me to kill Jesus or some other punishment? And the crowd yells out, let him be crucified. Some have suggested that maybe there were three crosses already prepared. One for 
the two thieves, two for the thieves on either side of Jesus, and one that would have been Barabbas. And quite literally, Jesus took his place on the cross. The crowd shouted, Let him be crucified. And even still, trying to get out of this, Pilate, he asked, Why? What has he done? What evil has he done? Pilate recognized he was innocent. He was an innocent man. And yet, the crowd shouts all the more, let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. Verse 24, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, he's going to give in to the crowd. When Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, oh, Pilate doesn't want that, a riot. His position, he may have been the governor, but if a riot starts breaking out in his territory, he could, be, he could lose his position. He doesn't want something like that. So when, a, when he saw a riot was beginning, he did what we read about in Deuteronomy. You know, the people, when there was a a death that no one they couldn't explain. They didn't know who had been the killer. All the people would come out. They'd kill this heifer and they'd wash their hands and say, we're innocent of this man's blood. And Pilate does the same. Probably he had lived among the Jews and was familiar with their customs. This wasn't something the Romans would have done. But Pilate, he washes his hands right in front of the crowd and says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. You take care of it. And if that's not enough, what does the crowd shout out? His blood be on us and on our children. His blood be on us and on our children. They're taking the guilt themselves. And he released Barabbas And he had Jesus scourged and he delivered him over to be crucified. What do we see in this text? We see the innocence of Jesus Christ. He had committed no sin. Even Pilate testified to his righteousness. He he was an innocent man. And also, we, we also see that Jesus was a willing Savior. He opened not his mouth. He did not defend himself. He went to the cross totally willing. And what was very literal for Barabbas, Jesus literally took his place. Barabbas, condemned to death, is released. Jesus takes his punishment, takes his place on the cross. What literally took place for Barabbas is what happens to all of us when we are born again. We, because of our sin, deserve the wrath of God upon us in hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve the punishment that Jesus received. What makes a difference? Jesus was, as we 
read from our confession of faith this morning, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And, and this is absolutely imperative. This is, this is essential to understanding the gospel, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Why is this so important? Any man cannot absorb the wrath of God for the rest of mankind. Only God could do that. God's wrath was infinite upon our inf- a-, a sin against an infinite God. His, his wrath could never be absorbed by a finite being. And so Jesus had to be God Himself to be able to absorb all of the wrath of God on our behalf. He had to also be fully human. Jesus had to be fully human because only a human being could take our, could die for human beings. Bulls and goats couldn't work. Only a human being could die for human beings. The concept may be similar to the fact that Jesus, his accusation against him was, was he the king of the Jews? Well, Jesus was the king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is the king of all creation. But he was a representative for the people. As the king, who can represent the entire people? The king. Jesus, the King, stood in our place, absorbed the wrath of God, drank the cup of God's wrath for us. When we look at this text, the first thing is this this, this is historic. It happened in space and time and history. Jesus literally, He stood before Pilate. He was asked these questions. He stood there and opened not His mouth. He, Barabbas was let go and Jesus took His place. This happened in history. But what we see here in the text of Scripture points out these things. The innocent man, God in the flesh, was our substitute. This doctrine is rejected by many today. They reject a bloody cross. They say it's too violent. They, they say, they, they, uh, many people reject this and say, well, this seems to be making out Jesus, God to be some kind of divine child abuser. That He would give His own Son to die in the place of human beings. But this is what the Bible teaches. To reject the substitutionary atonement is to reject the Gospel. It is to reject the clear teaching of the Bible. You'll hear people in different quarters who, who will look down on this teaching of the Bible. Some are ashamed of it. But it is not our shame. It is our glory. Jesus took my 
place. Jesus took your place. And by repenting and believing on Him, we have a free gift of God's grace. We, are adop- we were once rebels. We were once God's enemies. And He adopts us into His family as His children. John 1 tells us that as many as received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So look to Him. Receive Him if you've not done so. Receive Him and know that your sin is taken away, has been placed on Him, and His righteousness is now given to us. That's another factor. You know, we could stop there And it would be glorious. We're forgiven. Our sin is taken away. It was put on Jesus. But there's more. His righteousness is now imputed to us. When God looks at us, when we have trusted in Jesus, He no longer sees our sin. Instead, He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is called by some the great exchange. He took our sin and we get His righteousness. How glorious this is that He took our place. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.